0: Volume One, chapter twenty one of Evelyn, or A Heart Unmasked, a novel by Anna Cora Mowat. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kelly Taylor, chapter twenty one Women are soft, mild, pitiable, flexible. But thou art obdurate, flinty, rough, remorseless. Henry the Fourth. She has spoken that she should not, I am sure of that. Macbeth. From the Same to the Same. October twenty eighth. Truly the web of life is a mingled yarn and the dark threads are beginning to manifest themselves in the once golden web of our beloved evelyn's existence last eve the usual little family circle gathered around mr merritt's fireside laura hilson and i were the only two visitors we are such constant guests that we are almost regarded as members of the family the tea-table was spread the brightly polished kettle hissed upon a chafing-dish beside it the twilight was deepening the waiter had entered to light the lamps yet evelyn had not returned from her walk conversation flagged mr merritt fidgeted about the room now and then walking up to the window but suddenly turning away again without venturing to look out, for fear that the cause of his uneasiness should be discovered. Ellen looked anxious, her father dull. Mrs. Willard made two or three irredeemable mistakes in her lace edging, and finally laid down her knitting needle. A malicious smile hovered about Laura's lips as she surveyed the family group, and broke a momentary pause by remarking, what can have become of evelyn it is getting quite dark every tongue was instantly unloosed she must have met with some accident said mrs willard an accident cried mr merritt and ellen in alarm oh i'll warrant that she is quite safe said laura and has entirely forgotten that the hissing of the kettle gives a strong inclination for a cup of bohea no doubt she is well entertained she only went out to take a short walk replied ellen what can have happened what can have happened repeated mr merritt to himself in a low tone there is the ring said mrs willard starting up and hastening out of the room before mr merritt could follow her she returned leading in evelyn as the strong light of the solar lamp fell upon evelyn's face she covered her eyes with her hands as though that sudden brightness pained them but her action was not so quick that it prevented my remarking that her cheeks were flushed and that she looked as though she had been shedding tears who escorted you home fair lady inquired laura were you alone asked mrs willard "'Where have you been, Evelyn?' questioned Mr. Merritt at the same moment. "'Whose question am I to answer first? replied Evelyn, in a tone of forced gaiety. "'Your husband's, of course. He having the best right to be inquisitive,' said her mother. "'Smiling upon Mr. Merritt, he asked where you have been. "'I have been shopping and taking a walk.' When it began to grow dark, I discovered I was further from home than I imagined. Evelyn did not look towards Mr. Merritt as she spoke these words. Who accompanied you? Who brought you home? again asked Laura, fixing her small black eyes scrutinizingly upon Evelyn's face. Mr. Merritt eagerly advanced to hear his wife's answer. The color forsook Evelyn's cheek, and for a moment she did not reply. Laura repeated her question, and Evelyn assumed an air of bandage, answered, Daughter of Eve, restrain thy curiosity. You should not have walked at such a late hour alone, Evelyn said mrs willard with an air which was intended to convey the impression that she was confident her daughter had been unattended you have been walking all alone then inquired mr Merritt, who was evidently desirous of asking a direct question yes replied evelyn firmly and looking about her as she spoke did you say alone persisted laura "'as though she was determined not to let the subject drop. "'Had you no escort, no companion?' "'None but my own agreeable thoughts,' replied Evelyn, untying her bonnet. "'And those would have been brighter for a cup of tea. "'Come, let us sit down. "'Pray, mother, help me to the first cup, for I am wearied to death.' "'We took our seats at the tea-table, "'and the gaiety of the whole party was speedily restored.' of all but laura who appeared to be disconcerted and who with her untasted cup of tea before her amused herself by balancing her teaspoon on the tip of her finger while she watched evelyn's lightest movements we were just rising from table when our ears were saluted by a voice whose rough tones were but too familiar how d'ye do how d'ye all do here you are hey just finished tea have you here hallo waiter hold on i'll take a cup myself richard bowed all around with a face as red as a peony as he shouted out these words and stalked into the back parlor mrs willard followed him and resumed her seat in front of the tea-tray much to my surprise evelyn ordered the folding-doors to be closed She is generally quite unmoved by the presence of her uncouth brother, but on this occasion her distress, and even alarmed, were so marked that I at one moment thought that she was fainting. We took our seats near the inviting fire. Laura drew from her bag a slipper, which she was embroidering for Mr. Merritt. Ellen brought forth her work she was quilting a little hood for netta and i employed myself in hemming the ruffle that was to pass around the front evelyn took up laura's scissors and commenced clipping a piece of notepaper which lay in ellen's basket but her eyes turned constantly and uneasily towards the folding doors we could hear richard talking loudly with his mother but could not distinguish her words before many minutes the doors were thrown open and richard entered crying out nonsense nonsense mother i tell you i've had enough enough's as good of a feast don't take away a man's independence by making him eat more than he wants will you as he concluded this sentence he walked up to evelyn and seating himself beside her took up the scissors and papers which she had tremblingly laid down at his approach and commenced cutting the remnant of paper into long thin strips this ain't quite as good fun as whittling is it evie said richard had a pleasant walk hey evie didn't you yes no that is yes replied evelyn composedly she hastily added here richard i want you to look over these drawings You know that you are always fond of picture. To be sure I was. I always had a taste for the arts, and some critical notion of when a thing was anything, too, Evie, as the colonel was saying. But, Richard, you must really pay attention, or I will close the portfolio. Call me Dick, will you? Dick, then, or dear Dick, if you like that better, she whispered, and then added aloud, you know that you cannot do two things at a time, so give your whole attention to these engravings. Evelyn's hand shook as she turned over the pictures, and her agitation did not escape Laura's notice. Mr. Merritt was sitting with his back towards his wife, and his eyes were fixed upon the book before him, but they wandered not from line to line, and no leaf was turned. Abby! cried out Richard, snatching up one of the engravings. "'There's a fellow looks like the colonel, don't it now? By the by, didn't he make himself agreeable this afternoon?' "'Richard, Dick, Dick!' gasped out Evelyn, seizing her brother's arm. "'Look at this. You did not, not look at this picture. Is it not beautiful?' "'It looks just like you, Evie.' Evelyn held up the picture in such a manner that it concealed both of their faces, and her head was so close to her brother's that I felt certain she was whispering a few warning words in his ear. "'What? What? What do you say?' said Richard in a louder tone than before. "'I can't hear. Speak out like a woman. Never whisper in company. Don't you know it's not manners? Never whisper.' never whisper richard shook his head rebukingly at evelyn as he uttered these words and her distress was so visible that i could no longer forbear approaching her i was on the point of engaging richard in conversation when he abruptly turned to his sister and said i tell you what evie i felt proud of you this afternoon and it takes no little of the right stuff to make me proud you look so handsome with that splendid fellow walking by your side you quite set him off and that's what i tell the colonel you always do a death-like silence followed these words mr merritt dropped his book and turned slowly around laura laid down her work and resting her chin upon her hand glanced from mr merritt to evelyn and from evelyn to mr merritt mrs willard looked aghast and ellen hid her face in her work you-you are mistaken richard not this afternoon call me dick will you i like dick it's more independent it was not this afternoon that you met your sister said mrs willard rising you have forgotten it was yesterday afternoon now you needn't think to come over me with that humbug replied richard shaking his head i know what i'm about It was this afternoon, and yesterday afternoon, too. I met them both afternoons, and a splendid couple they made, to be sure. Nothing like them in Broadway. I'd stake Evie against the handsomest woman in New York. And there isn't a man that treads shoe leather who can hold a rushlight to my friend the colonel. At these words... Evelyn threw herself upon the sofa near which she was standing and hid her face in the pillow. The next moment she started up and rushed out of the room. Emmy, Emmy, Where are you going? Come back!' shouted Richard. But not another voice was heard. "'Ellen,' said Mrs. Willard, after a few moments' silence, "'go and see if the baby is asleep and if the nurse wants me ellen left the room and soon after mrs willard followed her when ellen returned i rose to take my leave richard snatched up his hat as soon as he saw my intention i'll accompany you miss kitty i'll escort you i'll take care of you you'll be safe under my protection we'll keep off the rowdies never fear i was forced to accept his offered arm while laura took that of mr merritt richard talked incessantly on our way home but his questions needed no answer and they were so little noticed by me that i could not now repeat a word that he said this morning i saw laura despatch a note to evelyn with orders that it should be delivered immediately an hour afterwards the fire in my room having died out i carried my pen ink and paper to the back parlour which was vacant i was just in the midst of a letter to a friend when the sound of voices proceeding from the front drawing-room disturbed me the doors were closed but i could distinguish laura's voice and soon after i thought that i recognised evelyn's softer tone the conversation gradually became so animated that it interrupted my thoughts as i wrote and finally i could not avoid overhearing the whole concluding portion of the discourse i should have risen and left the room but was transfixed to the spot by mingled wonder and horror nay evelyn you may throw aside your mask before me said laura i know all that you can tell me and there are others who have as much knowledge on the subject as myself the world has very piercing eyes and very sincerious lips it has already discovered that colonel damereau is enamoured of the beautiful mrs merritt and the rumour is that mrs merritt is far from insensible to the handsome colonel Damoreau's fascinations oh laura laura whispered evelyn in a choking voice for heaven's sake spare me laura it is not so who would believe anything so dreadful the world believes it and i as your dearest friend wish to prepare you for what you must expect at its hands you have taken the fatal step evelyn you have compromised yourself you wear the appearance of guilt and that is all which slander requires to blacken your name. You may be as innocent as an angel, yet who will believe in your purity? But I am, I am innocent. Are you innocent in heart? Do you not love Colonel Damoureux? Your looks, actions, words have betrayed your passion a thousand times. I listened eagerly for Evelyn's reply but, alas, she made no answer. After a short pause, I heard her ejaculate in a tone of deep anguish. My child, my poor child, ah, Laura, you forget that I am a mother. Were I not your friend, Evelyn, I might reply that your guilt was the greater. But Mother, Walter, Ellen, they will not believe anything so horrible. "'Husbands are generally the last to discover their own dishonour. "'But how can you suppose that the eyes of your family "'will long be blinded when they have detected you last night "'in a—I know it—a falsehood. "'It scorched my lips and withered my very soul "'as I uttered it—a falsehood. "'A falsehood to conceal that you had been walking with Colonel Damoureux. "'I am ruined!' almost shrieked Ellen. "'You know that I am your friend, your true friend,' said Laura in an insinuating tone. "'You know that I tell you all this because I cannot bear to think of your disgrace. "'To be sure, it is too late now "'for you to hope to avoid a discovery. "'But perhaps you could escape your husband's anger "'and your mother's bitter reproaches, "'with which you will be unmercifully assailed,' when they find you discarded by the world i am ruined was evelyn's only answer mr merrick compares very ill with colonel damereau you will distract me Laura," burst forth evelyn are you a fiend that you torment me thus my head is on fire i do not know myself whom i love i only know that i am ruined ruined i heard the sound of her hands as they struck against her forehead and she groaned out my lovely lilla my poor poor child i grieve very deeply evelyn began laura evelyn interrupted her wildly you do not grieve i know you now laura you rejoice you glory you exult like a fiend over my misery "'I see it in your eyes. "'I know it by the sound of your voice. "'You exult over my degradation and ruin. "'I never saw you in your true light until now. "'Your love is a vile pretense. "'It is not me. "'It is Walter, whom you love.' "'She paused a moment, "'and then suddenly exclaimed, in an altered tone, "'Laura, forgive me. "'You have set me mad, and I do not know what I am saying. "'I have wounded you. Pardon me.' you have not at all wounded you have only misjudged me replied laura almost with the calmness of conscious virtue i wish she added with winning sweetness that i could devise some means of shielding you from the dreadful consequences of your error what my errors have been god only knows i am hardly conscious of them myself answered evelyn with feeling i rose to enter the room that i might confront miss hilson and reassure the unfortunate evelyn when laura made some inaudible remark to which evelyn replied laura you have driven me to desperation i needed not your taunt to add poignancy to my misery is it for this that you have sent for me if it is "'You could have no more to say. "'I must leave you.' "'Just as Evelyn was retreating towards the door, "'I entered the room. "'I expected to find her weeping "'and her face suffused with blushes, "'but her cheek was ghastly in its parlour, "'and her eyes were dry. "'In a moment my arms were about her. "'She extricated herself from my embrace "'and said in moving accents, "'Never, never hate me, Miss Catherine.' before I could prevent it. She had rushed from the house. I hardly know how I came there, but in an instant afterwards I found myself at the street door. I caught a glimpse of Evelyn just as a gentleman met and joined her. His back was turned towards me, and my glance was so momentary that I did not recognize him. Heaven grant that it was not Colonel Damerow as i re-entered the house laura was standing in the hall i accosted her in an indignant tone i was an unwilling listener miss hilson to your conversation with your friend you have probed evelyn's heart because her sufferings gave you a wicked delight but your evil designs will be frustrated beware of what you do your veil has fallen you are in my power Laura cast upon me a look of revengeful hatred, and passed on to her chamber. I retired to mine, and have since written to you the above. I must see Evelyn this evening. I will converse with her frankly and freely. She will listen to my voice, and she will yet. She must be saved. End of chapter 21 End of Volume 1 of Evelyn or A Heart Unmasked by Anna Cora Mowit